All right, so uh, we're here with Matthew Simpson, Matt Simpson, and uh, he's going to tell us a little bit about what he's done, the work he's done with veterans and uh, entheogens. So take it away, Matt. Cool. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, it's an honor to share uh, our work, uh, the Worth the Fight mission and message of hope and healing. Um, for the last uh, nearly four years, I've been advocating for our United States war veterans amid a mental health crisis and suicide epidemic. And um, I, uh, you know, jumped on to this, this service project um, years back, you know, after, after doing some deep uh, healing, um, personal healing with, with ayahuasca and, and then coming across this 22 veterans that die by their own hand every single day and wondering, like, why the heck aren't we talking about this and um, why are we cut off from this truth? And, uh, you know, that at first I, I jumped in, in with this work. Um, I felt a moral duty and obligation to stand with our war veterans and to help help share and, and to serve, um, you know, and, and leverage my voice. And, and ultimately that uh, service project led to a, uh, a 308 page book, uh, Worth the Fight, Acting for a Better World, A Guide to Spirituality, Psychedelic Medicines and Overcoming Trauma, where um, I map this this uh, this terrain of healing with psychedelic medicines with plant medicines and uh, it's really a guidebook on how to best maximize this uh, these these potent medicines to be the best versions of ourselves to be healthy happy and strong and fit for service in these uh, trying times awesome so if if you could give us like a little uh, synopsis or just like what are some of the main themes of the book what are what are like the main points that people who are interested in psychedelics because I know there's a lot of people that listen to us that are interested in psychedelics but they don't want to go about it recklessly they want to do it intentionally and, and get the most out of it so what would you what, what kind of advice would you give for people like that yeah I, I think that that um, I mean that's a that's a very prudent way of looking at these these medicines um, they you know, years back, I, I think there was a lot of motivation because I was seeing so much bypassing, spiritual bypassing, and people just going from one ceremony to the next. And I was like, "Well, nothing's really changing in your life, and you're you're you're, you're replaying the same drama." And um, so, the idea of um, and I've I've taken a little bit of a contrarian viewpoint um, and, and believe. That, that the peak psychedelic experience, it needs to be supported with a healthy container of integration. And, and um, you know, so much to the point where, where we can debate whether it's the, the, the chicken or the egg, um, you know, and, and I think that integration is that important. And um, essentially, it's, it's, it's my hope and prayer that the book is, is an integration program that uh, outlines, um, you know, I took two, three years of traveling, uh, 18 months with a backpack, and um, trying out all sorts of different integration strategies, uh, meditation, you know, Wim Hof breath work, yoga, uh, you know, sacred cacao, uh, ceremonial cacao. Hmm. Um, flow science is something that I've been really big into is understanding the, the um, what underlies peak human performance. And once we understand this, this, um, grasp what is possible i think that we're we're more willing to really lean in to our shit to our darkness to the to the um to the unknown and uh, i think there's a lot of power in um in our 
Shadow. I, I've heard, you know, I just listened to a podcast with, with you guys on, um, you know, psychedelics uh, today. And, um, you know, I know that, you, that y'all are doing a lot of that with, with the ritual work that you're doing. Yeah, very cool. I mean, for virtually everything you said about there, about Wim Hof, meditation, even the cacao are things that I've explored in my life. And um, what I've found is like all of these things can be powerful tools. It's just, it's really, you really have to individualize it to what the person needs, you know, psychedelic experiences, and there's no two of them that are alike. And I think the integrations can't, aren't all going to be alike either, you know, but what you, what you say about integration is completely true. I think it's probably a bigger factor than the experience itself, because we can have powerful experiences that can be detrimental or positive the 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 effect is really dependent on um the integration the preparation what you do after and what you do before you know and i think uh it's something that isn't very well understood even now because uh i mean it's this is really a, a in its infancy this this stage of plant medicines and uh i'm excited to see where it will go Um, yeah, that that resonates. Um, this this idea of uh, anti dogma or non dogma. Find what works for you and go do that. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, we are pushing this edge into an unknown. And um, yeah, the I, I think that integration gets bypassed so often because it's not there's nothing sexy about integration. Yeah. And it's, it's hard work. It's it's challenging. It's really tough to sit with our stuff and to really lean in um, and, and, and to feel those emotions. But uh, I believe the degree to which we lean into our darkness, the pain, the adversity is the very same degree to which we can stand and share and love in our light. So we're kind of our hand is forced to do that shadow work. And uh, because that's where all of the insight is that's where all the lessons are that's where all the healing is that's where all the catharsis is yeah i agree 100 percent. like like the amount we are able to accept the dark is the amount we are able to allow in the light in a way and and big thing for me and what what we're doing is trying to really just finding value in the darkness because society when we grow up we're taught you know these negative things, you know, quote, negative fear, sadness, these things are not valuable. And, you know, we're, we're told that they should be repressed, you know, not explicitly, but implicitly that they're not valuable. So just discard them. And you can't just like shed those things. They just manifest in our unconscious until they manifest in, you know, destructive patterns in our life that we don't even truly understand. So like the, the hard thing for me was like having faith that feeling these uncomfortable things will be worth it because if not, I'm just feeling like shit all the time for no reason, you know? So it's like you, you, you the only way to really uh, test that is to try, to try and f allow yourself to feel these uncomfortable things and see how it affects your life, you know? And I think, you know, being diligent about, what you're feeling, being honest with yourself is, uh, the first step in that really. Cause I mean, we talk about intention a lot. I mean, that's a word that gets thrown around so much in, in these types of treatment methods. And it's like, I don't think 
99% of the time we understand our true intentions. I think we say, you know, I want to go into this and experience this or this, or I want to confront this. But I mean, for myself, I was telling myself the first, first couple of times I did psychedelics, I was like, I want to confront my fears. And then I would go into the experience and it would be the opposite of that. It would be like me avoiding my fears and just like going through the, like the, the fun part of it, you know, and the most beneficial and transformative experiences I've had have always been from, uh, you know, uncomfortable experiences, really ones that confront fear, loss, grief, sorrow, like all these things. So I think, uh, like understanding that and trusting that the, the, the uncomfortable stuff is just as valuable, if not more valuable than feeling the other stuff. I, th- I think it kind of brings up the question of what is a good trip or what is a bad trip? You, you, I don't, I'm sure you've heard people talk about uh, bad trips before. Um, you know, growing up, I always feared it. You know, I feared bad trips. I was like, what? You know, I, I don't think I really experienced it so much when I was younger because I was doing, when I, in high school, when I was, uh, you know, experimenting with psychedelics, I would do low-dose psychedelics. Um, it wasn't until more in my adult life that I had um, a really profound experience with psilocybin it was a a very it was a high dose and um that would if i were to say a bad trip that is like the epitome it was the epitome of a bad trip but in the same fashion in the same like in the same essence it was the best trip i ever had because so much was uncovered so much stuff about my psyche you know my childhood my adult life all this all this information compressed in like a five to maybe six hour trip experience that um, in the moment was, it was gut wrenching. It was, it was difficult. It was the epitome of a bad trip, but looking back at it, it's like, well, what do I do with that trip? Cause I can make that actually a, a very good experience. I can with um, integration, pro- proper integration, I can turn that into a good experience Yeah, and or, I, to motivate myself at least. That's a good point. You know, I, I think, that we have the power to make these experiences transformative or not. You know, it's, it's really a choice. Like you can have a psychedelic experience. You can be like, Oh, that was interesting. And then go through your life and it have no effect on you. Or you can say, wow, I'm going to use that to transform my whole view of the world and myself and redirect my life. So, so I would agree 100% that integration is to me at this point, it's, it's just as important as the experience. Um, if not more important because I spend more time in without the experience than I did in the experience. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, the, the, the words that are, are really alive for me right now are, are intention and ritual and like, what is integration? Um, it's, it's doing something on the day to day basis, getting these healthy habits, these healthy routines, um, that, that ultimately, uh, I, I, I think that, that the majority of the integration practices, they cultivate, they cultivate self-awareness. And there's a lot of really hard, hard science that, that supports that. And with that self-awareness, we can um, extract the insights from these, these powerful healing journeys. I love this notion, uh, Jason Silva, um, you know, I'm, I'm quoting him on this, this idea of inverse PTSD. And I believe just, just like we're healing from these uh, traumatic memories and emotions that are in our nervous system, and when we when we uh, you know take that uh, you know that that 
drink of psilocybin or, or eat that, um, you know, or ayahuasca or a boga or LSD, um, we're able to confront those emotions and those memories in our nervous system. But just as um, those, those traumatic memories or, or those um, deep, heavy emotional uh, are, are in our nervous systems, I believe, so are these moments of rapture, these moments of bliss, these moments of ecstasy, these moments of supreme joy that we feel in these psychedelic experiences too. And, and these practices, these integration practices, is almost like mining for gold on a day-to-day basis when we're sitting on the meditation cushion or going out in nature or doing yoga or fasting or, uh, you know, we can, we can um, extract that, th- those insights and apply them to be healthier, happier, and stronger and, and to uh, ultimately live a life of, of uh, more purpose, more meaning, uh, in service to each other, in service to the natural world, in service to these crazy times that we find ourselves in. Absolutely. The uh, big thing for me is, and this is what meditation has always you know, been about, is getting that presence and that self-awareness, like you're saying, just being in the moment and accepting whatever you're feeling and being okay with it. I know throughout my whole life, I've always felt like I was trying to distract myself from the present moment with whatever it is or looking for the next thing. Expectation was always like, I'm expecting this, so I'll feel good. I always had something I needed to be expecting, like, oh, I'm going to get home and I'm going to play video games. Oh, I'm going to go out with my friends this Friday and go get drunk. You know, like there was always this thing on the horizon that this was supposed to make me happy. But it wasn't really about that. It was always about like looking forward to something that wasn't the present, you know. But now trying to cultivate this presence as everything I need, you know, I don't need anything else that is besides what is here right now. That's a hard a hard uh, thing hard. to integrate. It's, it's an extremely hard concept to get behind. I can speak from my experience. Um, the, you know, I was using drugs for 10 years pretty heavily and um, I had the ayahuasca session and in, in the, the, the first message I got from that was everything's okay right now. And um, also uh, a, a, like a, a very compassionate, like feeling from the medicine. Um, but like, the ayahuasca only lasts, you know, five hours, whatever, uh, five, maybe six hours. So like afterwards it kind of all gets lost without the proper integration. And, and one thing that I've noticed, um, is like, lo- first, first thing in my opinion is lowering my expectations allows me to accept more because if I'm not, if my expectations aren't okay, I have to get this, 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 and this done, or I have to get talk to this person or this girl or that friend or whatever expect things from other people the less that i do that the more i'm the more i'm just content with like not having those uh those expectations met um and then being in the moment which was i think is the the best the best thing that i got from psychedelics is it allows you to be in the present moment and just feel and um so like what i'm working on is trying to cultivate that um, in my sober day, sober everyday life personally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and seeing is believing, you know, having that, that moment, having that, that moment of grace, that moment of, of tapping into truly the present moment, uh, the deep now nirvana enlightenment, whatever, whatever, I mean, every religious tradition is going to call it something different, um, flow state, uh, you know, and, and, 
it's it's powerful. Yeah, because once we have that experience, we know that it's possible. And then, um, you know, the, this idea that that the work is done in the valley. We have these peak experiences, but the work is done in the valley, and in the day to day, in the moment to moment. And um, yeah, I love the 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 outlook that both of you have. Yeah, I mean, it's for me like uh, literally trying to accept the present moment. It looks like in my life feeling anxious a lot of the time and just being okay with it. But then there'll be moments where all that anxiety melts away and I'm just like enthralled in gratitude. And like I was so cut off from my emotions, you know, three years ago that I didn't really, uh, I didn't really feel, I didn't know what my emotions were. I didn't know what I was feeling, but now, you know, I'll cry at the littlest things, you know, like I'll come home from work and see my daughter and I'll tear and it will be like the most beautiful thing ever. Whereas before I wouldn't allow myself to feel that, you know, I wouldn't allow it all in. And, uh, yeah, it's been really amazing. I mean, one thing that we're working on right now is, uh, trying to reform drug education, at least in Vermont, but hopefully everywhere. But like, Growing up, I knew I grew up with this era of, you know, the war on drugs and propaganda and lies. And I walked into these drug education classes and I walked out and all I felt was that their whole intention was to try and scare me. It wasn't to, to educate me. It was just, yeah, it was you know, good. tell horror stories and make them scared of drugs. And it's like that does such a disservice because then we grow up or the children grow up and they realize that they're being lied to. And then it's up to them to go figure out what the truth is. And it leads to reckless drug experimentation. Like my peer group in, in my high school, it was the norm to be going out, taking substances, not even really caring what they are, or what they do. And just like figuring it out, you know, on your own. And it, it leads to destructive relationships with drugs. And I think it's time that we really look at drug education and, you know, say, okay, the dishonesty hasn't worked. Let's try being honest. Let's try giving them the facts. Let's try, you know, teaching kids about ceremonies in, in Native American tribes and South American tribes and all these ancient cultures that used substances very, very intentionally and ritually. And they didn't have problems with, with addiction. You know, they didn't have people using the sub, sneaking substances away from the, the ritual to do on their own. They respected the art of it and the the sacredness of it and you know growing up i didn't even realize that was possible like i didn't realize drugs could be used in a to get in touch with uh, ourselves self-awareness sacredness to to push personal development like that notion was never even an idea i always just you know believe the propaganda that drugs are just inherently bad but like labeling a drug as good or bad is just so stupid to me you know like drugs are just tools you know like we yeah. gotta let go of this yeah it's idea to to add to that it's it's almost as if growing up you know you you hear drugs and then i can already hear in my head that uh quote of drugs are bad okay yeah <laughs> like um it's become a joke that is it's just so widespread yeah, and I yeah, I mean, I'm sure you 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 understand that. 
Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think the war on drugs has been the most egregious civil rights violation and a war on uh, a nefarious war on black people and Latinos and a, um, you know, outside of slavery, the most egregious civil rights violation that our, our country has participated in. And, um, you know, we're waking up to this truth. We're waking up to this reality. We're waking up to the Nixon administration and, and, and the, the, the trickiness that um, was, was going on back in, in the, you know, 70 and 71 when the Controlled Substances Act was, was put forth and uh, we're asking questions and uh, you know the I think the war on drugs is under assault uh, Oregon just made a big bold fuck you to the war on drugs um, and I love that spirit you know to be and, and we're in this time where we have this this ultra compelling science and our most esteemed institutions Johns Hopkins NYU uh, UW Madison UCLA the list goes on and on um, you know are, are saying hey guys they're greenlighting these these psychedelic experiences and um so we're in a fascinating time the uh in addition there's there's flow science that's something that i believe is is also uh you know you'd mentioned peak performance and, and personal development and um this idea of tying psychedelic medicines and um have you guys read the book stealing fire no awesome book most important impactful book that I've, I've read on my journey, but this idea, there was a big takeaway. Um, the Imperial college of London, Robin Car Carhart Harris had a, they did an fMRI where they're, they're checking out what's going on in our brain. And they're seeing that, 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 that these, these three, um, experiences share loads of neurobiology. This, uh, when, when meditators are in a deep meditative state, uh, when people are in a peak psychedelic experience and when people are in a flow state. Um, it, it's you know, showing that our prefrontal cortex is, is going offline and that allows you know, interconnections, parts of our brain to connect and communicate that normally wouldn't. I think that that is what is happening during these psychedelic experiences. Uh, I felt flow for the first time when I was in an, an ayahuasca uh, you know, ceremony five, six years ago in Costa Rica and, and subsequent uh, healing journeys that I had with psilocybin. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an exciting time when we start looking at these, these um, substances differently, not in a, Hey, let's, let's take them so we can, you know, drop out of society and, and, and uh, perpetuate kind of the wrongs of yesteryear. Although, you know, yesteryear, is, it kind of is what it is. It set this new table and we're in, we're in a different time. It's 2020. Yeah. We've got the environmental crisis. Uh, the state of our politics is not, not pretty, uh, the racial injustice. Um, so, so we're in a time where we can use these medicines. We can use meditation. We can use flow states to level up our game so we can be healthier, happier, and stronger and be again, more fit for service, um, and, and grabbing a shovel and pitching in however, which way we can, in these uh, precarious times. Yeah, I haven't really thought about it that way, but the, the the notion of like turning off the prefrontal cortex and letting your body just be, you know, in, in its natural state, like our hyper, you know, executive functioning prefrontal cortex that society, that, that humanity has developed over the past couple thousand years is not really natural. You know, we're always thinking, always thinking about the future and the past and never just feeling the present. And you mentioned Wim Hof breathing earlier. That I've been, we've been doing Wim Hof and we did, uh, we've been awesome. doing, 
We've been doing a cold water because we live in Vermont, so it's getting cold up here every yeah, Tuesday. That's a, I know about that too, man. Yeah. That's, that's, like, that's a cool. That's a gift. Yeah, uh, but I, that, I that feel, out. I feel that like exactly in that, and I feel it the same in the ritual. The ritual we do too is like this turning off of the prefrontal cortex and just like being in a primitive state. That's what it feels like, just being like primal, and it's liberating and it's cathartic. And like I always walk out of that water like thinking like, wow, that's a weight off. That's a relief. Like all this baggage I had been carrying around, I just shed it, you know? And uh, I think there's so much to that. It, it also reminds me, is like when I was a kid, we, we played a lot of sports. And like being in, in the flow state in sports, you know, you're not thinking of like, I'm going to pass the puck right there. It's just, it just happens, you know? Mm-hmm. You're just acting, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like acting on instinct as as opposed to like thinking about every possibility. Yeah. I mean, it's so draining to be in that constant state of just like hyper thinking. It's, it's taxing. And and the, 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 the therapeutic value in our, um, periodically, um, you know, it's up to each person how, how often that, that is. I know, uh, for me it was 2015 to 2017. I, I did a, I had a lot of psychedelic healing journeys. I, I shut off my prefrontal cortex many, many times. Um, that's what I needed to, to heal and to get right. And then there was a time where, you know, it, it was I think February of 2018 where, where I kind of got the message like, Hey, you know, you can do this. You can bring forward while I was writing my book. It was a, it was a really uh, profound moment that I had where I was thinking about my next peak experience to Peru or Costa Rica and, um, you know, it was, it was the medicine or, or my, you know, intuition or, or God or higher calling, whatever, um, where it was just like, Hey, you dummy, it's never been about the medicine. It's about doing your fucking work. Just do your, do what you're here to do. And, um, and, and my point is that the therapeutic value that I had from flow and, and the catharsis that comes from, um, you know, shutting off that prefrontal cortex they call it in ceiling fire transient hypofrontality that's like the the scientific definition but it's happening when we're engaging uh when we're in these deep meditative states when we're in these psychedelic states and um when we're getting into flow as well yeah i think if, if people ask like what's the best advice for psychedelics i would always tell them the best advice is always trust your own intuition and that's what I mean, psychedelics and this path have done a lot for me, but as much as anything is developing that trust in my intuition where I know, you know, without even thinking about it, I know this is the right decision. You know, I don't need to rationalize it. I can just trust my gut. And like people often wonder, like, you know, should I take another psychedelic? Should I not do this? Should I do this? And it's like, uh, like what Alan Watts said, you know, once you get the message, hang up the phone, there's truth in that. There's also truth in, you know, Terrence McKenna's view of like continuously returning to it and learning more. It's like both there's there's no wrong answer. There's no right answer. The only like I guess the only right answer is to trust yourself and your intuition and and just do. Well, then the intuition's going to be the one that's going to be hearing that phone ringing. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, if it rings, it, you pick it up. And if it's not ringing, Matt, you there? 
our internet just cut out a little bit, but I, it's been so awesome to talk to you. I'm, I, uh, I gotta get going here in a second, but I I just wanted to ask uh, for people listening and for ourselves, what, what can we do to support, um, your cause? You can, uh, get involved, uh, awareness, education, um, the heroic hearts project.org is a, um, is where you can find out more about this veteran, uh, collective soul healing mission. And, um, you can check out my work at worth the fight book.org or find me on Instagram at worth the fight book. And, uh, you know, we've got loads of content and loads of messaging around this, um, this soul work that we're doing. And, um, you know, I, I've, uh, in addition to being an author and podcaster, I'm a transformational coach. So I help guide people, uh, that, that have had that WTF, you know, psychedelic experience. And they're looking to ground this energy and point that in the direction of being the best versions of themselves. So that's another means that I've been, uh, serving, um, this collective awakening and, um, you know, trying to impart the spirit of, of integration, the spirit of, of, uh, leaning in, to the heaviness leaning in and not not you know running away from the fear but uh you know crafting that that safe container where uh we can feel it all and process these emotions um uh, to, to to ultimately grow awesome well i'm definitely gonna check out that book it's been amazing to talk to you you got a lot of insight and i think you know your mentality and our mentality is aligned perfectly and it's good to see that that more people are uh are are just rethinking the old norms and, and developing a new new trust in themselves in a new way. Um, it's inspiring. And, uh, yeah, it's been great to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank Absolutely. You. My pleasure. And, and you keep up the great work, guys. I'm really inspired by, uh, you know, the bold messaging that you, that y'all are putting out there. And, and it's very brave and it's needed. And you're, uh, you know, walking this path with, with many other people that are, are uh you know calling bs on bullshit incorporated and uh this is how we shift the tide and and turn this fear train around and um and start to create sustainable collective uh, positive change 